Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast. Today, we're talking about shooting film and whether it's a waste of money or the key to greatness. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast with Raymond Hatfield, the podcast dedicated to helping you grow your photography skills. Raymond interviews the world's top photographers in their field to ask questions that will get you taking better photos today. Now, with you as always, husband, father, home brewer, L.A. Dodger fan, and Indianapolis wedding photographer, Raymond Hatfield. Welcome back to this episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. As always, I am your host, Raymond Hatfield, and uh, today uh, it's a little, you know, uh, it's been it's it's been a tough week for me. Uh, and if you if you follow baseball, you will know why. Because the Dodgers, um, who were this year's, they were the most winningest team in all of baseball this year, and they lost in Game Five of the Divisional Series to the Washington Nationals. <laughs> So the game actually started off, you know, pretty strong. Uh, very quickly, we got a three to nothing lead, um, you know. But then, back to back home runs were thrown by Kershaw of all pitchers, who is arguably the best pitcher of our generation, uh, who in his eleven years of pitching has never allowed back to back home runs during a regular season game. So obviously this this caused the Dodgers to uh, to tie the game, uh, and then there was a grand slam in the in the top of the tenth that really just sealed it for the Dodgers for a uh, you know no chance of a third attempt at a World Series win. It uh, it was winner take all, and the Dodgers did not win that game. Um, I'm heartbroken. You know, we were we were so close. We were so close. I mean, we had it. Nationals, the Nationals. Come on, we were a shoe in. It was a done deal. But you know, after that game, I couldn't believe it. Oh, I was so upset. I could not believe it. But you go to bed, you wake up the next day, and I don't know. The world just isn't isn't as rich as it was the day before. I guess you'd say. But. Yeah, yeah, you have your cup of coffee and you just you just keep moving forward cuz you know, what else are you going to do? Sure, you, know, you you still think about it. How could you not? I mean, there's memories all around you with hats, shirts, stickers, you know, on my car, the coffee mug that I'm currently drinking out of, the photo of uh, you know, Dodger Stadium that hangs above my computer to look at every single day. And it's painful. You know, but uh, you can't change the past, so so reluctantly you just force yourself to move on, and and there you go. So, oh, gotta gotta catch my breath there for a minute. That was that was that was a tough one to relive. Well, let's let's talk about some photography. What do you say, huh? That's probably why you guys are here. This isn't the uh, the beginner Dodger. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so let's let's talk about photography. If you have uh, been in the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group, then you will know that as of recently, I've been shooting quite a bit of film. 
uh, and I'm, I'm working on a project this upcoming uh, December. I just went down to Texas. Uh, I guess so. This project that I'm working on, uh, I, I, for those of you who don't know, I went to film school because uh, originally, right after high school, I wanted to go to school and become a cinematographer. Cinematographer is the person who uh, works on movie sets, TV, film, video, uh, and is in 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 charge in control of the lighting and the camera movement. And I thought that I would love it. I didn't love it as much as I uh, thought that I would. Turn to photography, love it, love it, love it. But I still have some ties into the film industry, and this coming December, I will actually be shooting a uh, feature film, well, part of a feature film, and we are shooting on film. So I thought, you know what, I really need to familiarize myself with uh, shooting on film more than, because it's, it's been a few years. It's been a few years, so that's that's kind of what I've been up to. So I've been shooting a lot more film. Um, I've even taken my film camera out at weddings and a few other, you know, family events. And it's funny because people, the, the number one question that I get is, is why? <laughs> why are you shooting film? And with digital workflows just being so seamlessly integrated into our lives, you know, you take a photo on your phone, it's on, you know, your, your tablet, your computer, it's already on the cloud. Google's already edited it and made it, you know, stylized. Without any sort of work, you know, these digital integrations have, are just, you know, in our lives. And some of the people who are asking why I shoot film have a genuine curiosity. And some people ask, like, with this sense of superiority, you know, with digital. Uh, like, oh, I got the, the newest, I got the newest camera. Why would you even want to shoot with a, uh, you know, with a 35-year-old camera? But regardless, either way, it's a, it's a solid question to ask. So let me preface by saying that there are a lot of different paths that you can take in photography. There is no one answer. So because today I'm talking about film, I'm going, I'm going to share who shooting film is for and also who shooting film is not for. And that may be you, and that's totally okay. What works for some won't work for others, especially if you have a clearly defined goal attached to it. And in my uh, case, it is getting more familiar with film. There are certain aspects of this uh, motion picture that I'll be working on, and knowing how film reacts in certain lighting situations is very important to me. So those are my clearly defined goals. Also, just how it renders certain colors. So those were my goals, you know, but you don't have to have the same goals to take advantage of film. And I'm going to talk about that here in, in, uh, in later in this episode. So when I graduated film school, I actually didn't, I didn't know this at all. But when I graduated film school, my mom actually gave me my dad's uh, Pentax K1000 with a 50 millimeter F2 lens that uh, they bought in 1987 at Sears. My mom still had the receipt and everything. And I thought this was very cool. You know, I didn't even know that my dad had this camera and now it was being given to me. And I was super excited because that's when I really started to, you know, start to dip my toes into photography. And I had just learned all about, you know, shooting on film uh, and film photography or you know, just, just film uh, at film school. So I was really excited. And for that first year, I probably 
I probably put like 10 or 12 rolls through the camera and it was fantastic. You know, I'd go out and I'd shoot, I'd take it to go get developed, I'd get the photos and then, you know, that was it and that's, that's how it worked. But uh, two or three years uh, later, you know, I started shooting a little bit less film. Uh, for me, I got my first digital SLR, which was the Canon XT. And then, uh, so since I was shooting more of that, I started shooting less film. And then at some point, I don't, I don't remember if it was uh, in between a move or if I was taking my camera somewhere. Regardless, one day I went to go pick up the camera and the light meter inside was broken. So the light meter inside of the camera tells you either how bright or how dark your photo is going to be depending on your settings. So um, because it was broke and, well, frankly, I was broke, <laughs> I couldn't afford to fix it and therefore I just did not do much shooting. Now I had a light meter, an external light meter that I used for uh, motion pictures, but I really didn't want to... Uh, have all this extra gear. I didn't want to have extra things with me, like the camera and the meter. I didn't want to have to go out with the meter, meter the photo, and then shoot. I just wanted to go out and shoot. And that's why having a light meter inside of your camera was really important for me. So, like I said, I really didn't do much uh, shooting. I'd go out, maybe I'd take a few photos here or there, but like, I never really like finished one roll at a time. Well, earlier this year, I think it was about February, maybe it was April or so, I found a roll of exposed film. So it was just, you know, canister of film, and it had already been shot. And I had no idea what was on it, obviously. You, you know, you just don't know. You have to go get it developed. I don't remember when it was shot. I don't, I don't remember anything about this roll. But had to go get it developed. So... I went to go get it developed, and when I got the photos back, I got to tell you, I just, I fell in love. I fell in love with the feel of the photos in my hand. I fell in love with the light, the way that the film was able to render the lights and the shadows. I fell in love with the colors. They were so rich and yet muted at the same time, and I fell in love with the texture. I mean, I truly loved these photos that I got. And it also helped, you know, that these photos were were from when Charlie, probably three years ago, I mean, like when he was much younger, and I remember taking those photos. So it was fantastic to be kind of transported back, uh, you know, in that way that sometimes photography can do. When you look at this photo, you feel a little bit nostalgic. And then to see like a great photo along with it just really sealed my love of photography, specifically film, right then and there. And I will post uh, those photos in the show notes of this episode. You can check them out uh, by swiping up if you're using the Apple Podcast app or by going to beginnerphotographypodcast.com. And this is... Uh, you know, episode 169. So just check out the show notes for episode 169. So, um, you know, a few uh, months went by, I suppose. Maybe two months. So I went back to my local camera store, which is Robert's Camera in Indianapolis, and met with my buddy Adam there, who, uh, who was helping me out. And there was some, uh, like, expired film. And it wasn't very expired. Uh, I think that it was just freshly expired. And um, talking about expired film is a whole other podcast, but I wasn't worried about it. I went ahead and bought three rolls. And while I was there, 
I saw that they had like a used camera bin and inside was a Mamiya 135 AF. And this camera I had never seen before, but it just looked cool. And it wasn't a zoom lens. It was, you know, it had the it had the wind uh, advance where you take your your you know your thumb on the 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 lever, and then every time you take a photo, you have to wind the uh, uh, the reel. It's just a really really cool camera. I knew nothing about this camera. Had a fixed, uh, I believe it's a thirty-eight mil, thirty-five mil. Hold on one second. Hey, Raymond here. Are you looking for fresh inspiration behind the lens? Whether you're in a bit of a creative slump or just eager to try something new, I've got just the thing for you. Our free download, 46 Creative Photography Ideas to Get You Out of a Rut, is packed with unique, imaginative, and fun photography challenges that will rekindle your passion and help you see the world through a new perspective. From capturing the beauty of the night sky to transforming everyday objects into artistic masterpieces. Each idea is designed to spark your creativity and elevate your photography skills. And the best part? It's completely free. So why wait? Visit creativeimageideas.com right now and grab your free guide. Let's turn that inspiration into stunning images. Yeah, 38 millimeter f2.8 lens. And that was super exciting. I thought, this is a great camera. And the kicker, the camera was only $8. <laughs> I thought, oh man, there has to be something wrong with this camera. Super excited. But for $8, I'm going to find out. So I bought the camera anyway, threw that load or that roll of film in there, and I just started shooting in it. What was great was that uh, there was no light meter inside. There was no um, anything really. It was a point and shoot camera point and shoot you load the film you tell the camera what the speed of the film is and then you just start shooting and that that is it that is it it takes care of everything else and I thought well we'll just see what these photos look like you know anyway so I shot those three rolls of film and then I went to go get those developed and when I went to go get those three rolls of film developed development and the prints were like $65 for those three rolls and right then I almost like whoa $65 um, and that's just, and I, I mean, I get it, you know, it's kind of a dying industry to be able to do something like that is more of a specialty. So therefore it's a little bit more expensive. I totally get that. I totally get that. And as, as each day goes on, it's, you know, if you go somewhere to get it done, it's going to become more expensive. That's, that's, that's how it works. Right. And right then I thought there's no way that that's just too much money for this to be sustainable. You know, I can't be shooting three rolls of film every single month and getting those developed for $65. Now, while I love the photos, they're not $65 a month better than than digital. So I got them developed anyway, like I said. Um, but, but I thought when I got those photos back again, it was the same feeling. I loved them. I loved them. I loved them. I loved the photos almost even more because this time now I wasn't so focused behind the camera. I was still able to get that that feel, that texture, that color um, while doing less work and more consistently than uh, with, with my Pentax K1000 because the light meter was broken in that camera. But I thought if I want to shoot film, you know, that this is just the price that I'm going to have to pay because I don't have a spare room in my house to convert into a dark room uh, to be able to develop my own film. 
So a few more months went by, shot a few more rolls, still loving just that rawness and the feel of the photos. And then one day, I was on YouTube and the internet gods delivered exactly what I needed to see. It was a video by Willem Verbeck, who I've been watching his videos almost nonstop. He is a film shooter, like exclusively film. Um, and this video that he posted was called Develop Film or develop uh, color film at home. And I thought I would, I'm interested in this, obviously. I watched the video, uh, and that video is in the show notes as well. I watched it, and I was amazed by how easy it was. And I was amazed at how you don't need a dark room. Now, I guess, I mean, you don't need a dark room in the traditional sense where it's like, you know, a whole room that's blacked out and there's like the red light in there. You don't need any of that. You do need a dark room to load the film into the development tank, but I actually just used my bathroom. I, you know, turned off the lights, closed the door, locked it so that the kids don't accidentally walk in, put a blanket over the door to prevent any light leaks, and then that works just fine. And that is easy and it is quick. So I thought, okay, well... I'm going to go ahead and give this a shot because I, I, I love this. I feel like there's something here, but I'm, I'm, missing, I'm missing that element, right? And I wanted to know more about it. So I bought everything that I needed to start developing my film at home, and I was all set. So before we go any further, let's talk about the pros and the cons of film because this episode is called you know, shooting film, is it a waste of time or is it or a waste of money or is it the key to greatness? So we're going to talk about the pros and cons of shooting film. Okay, first, the pros. Because you are limited by how many photos you can actually take on your roll of film, you are forced to slow down. You are forced to be more intentional with your photos and you're forced to be more in the moment of what's happening rather than stuck behind your camera. So that to me is a huge, huge bonus. Be more you know, present, still capture great photos. Pro number two, there's no editing. If you have a lab scan, develop, scan the photos and send them to you, there's no editing that you need to do. They're, they're done, you're done. Now, if you decide to develop the photos at home, you will need to scan the negatives and then convert them into positives in Lightroom. Um, and that's that's if you do it yourself. And then there's where you can kind of, you know, th- there's more there's more control, right? You have that editing capability because now, you know, if you scan it with your DSLR, you can now shoot it in RAW as well and retain a lot of additional information. But if you don't want to worry about that, then you can just develop uh, and get the photos printed, no editing. Fantastic. And then pro number three is that film cameras don't go obsolete. And they can be found with, I mean, beautiful lenses for dirt cheap. And I'm going to get into exactly how cheap uh, after this. Okay, so now let's talk about the cons. The cons of shooting film, number one, just the cost of money. Okay, we talked about that. I'm going to dive even deeper. I'm going to break down exactly how much it costs to shoot film. But, you know, because you shoot, because it costs money every time you shoot, 
there's always going to be something in your head that's just like, oh, I got to shoot less, I got to shoot less to, to save that money. Um, and that is, that's a con. That's a con. Whereas you buy a digital camera, you buy a, an SD card, and now you're good, right? You're good to just shoot, 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 shoot. So, cost of money. Number two is the cost of time. Now, if you develop film yourself, the whole development process from warming up your chemicals to development to drying, scanning, and converting your negatives takes about three hours from start to finish per roll. Again, maybe that's not a huge amount of time, especially for how little you're actually doing it, but it still does take time. And number three is consistency. It is hard to achieve a consistent look unless you develop and scan your photos yourself. Your image will change depending on how you develop your film. So if you go to one film lab and their chemicals are at, you know, 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and then you go to another lab and you were to develop the same roll, which wouldn't be possible because you only have one roll, but those chemicals were at, say, 105 degrees Fahrenheit, if it was developed for the same amount of time, your photos are going to be completely different. The, the lighting is going to be different, and the colors are going to be different as well. And then we're not even talking about your scanner itself. Every film lab has a different scanner, so there you go. Consistency is hard unless you develop and scan your film yourself. So those are the pros and those are the cons. To me, the pros, I feel, outweigh the cons because I'm the one developing the film. So, uh, and again, we're going to talk about the development process here in just, uh, just a moment. But first, I want to talk about the biggest myth that I hear about when shooting film. And that is, you know, when I when I hear other photographers, and I kind of made the title of this episode kind of clickbaity, right? The key to greatness, right? Because a lot of people feel that when you shoot film, shooting film in and of itself will make you a better photographer. And that is simply not true. Unless you are just hyper-focused on learning film photography, it's possible that you won't learn anything. Many times I get my photos back, you know, I go to shoot a roll and I just don't shoot all 36 photos and then, you know, it goes that I use that roll next month and then by the time that I develop those photos, I look at them and think, oh, I really wish that I remembered the settings for this photo right here because I remember trying to get a certain photo in my head and this just isn't what I was looking for. But because film doesn't hold uh, the information, which digital does, digital photos, your settings are baked into the photo so that when you go back and look at them, even years from now, you can still learn from you know, uh, things that you see or potential mistakes that you made. So simply shooting on film will not inherently make you better. And I can prove that to you by telling you to go back and look at your parents' or your grandparents' old film photos because if you do, you will find bad photos. There will be bad photos in, uh, in, in this collection of, of prints. So if there are bad film photos, that means that every film photo ever taken isn't great, right? Okay, so then why do people say that it makes you a better photographer? And I really think that there's something psychological when you know that you only have 24 or 36 photos, depending on your role of film, that you can take. You ask yourself, even if it's not like conscious, 
whether or not what you're looking at is actually worth a photo. If it is, then you take, you know, one or two photos, not 20. And if it's not, then you take zero photos and not 20, <laughs> you know, as, as you would. Oftentimes with digital, you just go out and sometimes you think to yourself, I like it, what it is that I see. I don't know how I can translate into a photo, but if I just photograph it now a few different ways, surely I'm sure to, you know, I'm, I'm going to get one that is good. And that's not always the case. And with film, you're just hyper aware of that, right? If you don't think that you can make a good photo, you know, you, 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 th you, see, you see a scene in front of you and you think, I like this, and then you try to make it a photo and you can't, you just don't take a photo. That's how it works. So that, that's, one, that's, that's one way because now when you go back and you look at your photos, you have more keepers than you have, um, you know, uh, photos that just aren't, aren't going to make the cut. And when you imagine somebody taking a dollar out of your pocket every time you take a photo, it just forces you to slow down and be more aware of, you know, the bad photos. I'm sh it, everybody can think of a time where you go to take a photo and you think, mm, this isn't really working, but you go to take the photo anyway. You don't do that with film because you can imagine, you know, somebody reaching into your pocket every time you, you take the photo and just take out like a $1 bill. Okay, so it's not exactly $1, but I'm going to get into the cost breakdown in just a second. So when you slow down, you're just more intentional with your photos. You ask yourself, you know, is this the best photo that you can take? When you're looking through that viewfinder, you pay more attention to how you frame the photo. You question if f2.8 will be enough depth of field or if maybe f4 is the right answer. And if so, how are you gonna change your shutter speed? You look at your background. You look at colors differently. You're more aware of that bright red background or that telephone wire that just cuts right through somebody's head. And simply being aware of those things will help make you a better photographer. It will help you make more intentional decisions because you know that you're limited by the amount of frames that you have available and the cost. Here's the fastest way to start making money with your photography. Head to deliverphotos.com to sign up for a free CloudSpot account. There, you can create a digital storefront to sell your prints in just a few clicks. The most popular print sizes are 4x6s, 5x7s, and 8x10s, so be sure to offer those. With CloudSpot's global markup tool, you can create profitable pricing without any guesswork. Now, when you send a client their gallery, surprise them with a small print credit to encourage them to purchase additional prints. Look, CloudSpot really is the easiest way to deliver and sell photos online. So grab your free CloudSpot account today by signing up at deliverphotos.com now. So every year here in Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis hosts an event called Motorcycles on Meridian, where an estimated 30,000 motorcycles show up. Now growing up, I was an avid motorcycle rider. I was riding motorcycles before driving cars, and I was excited for this. So I decided to go to this all-day event and shoot some film. So I brought two rolls of film, <laughs> 36 frames each, 72 total photos possible. I was there shooting for four hours and I shot a total of 40 frames. 
If I was at a wedding for four hours, I would shoot close to a thousand or 1200 frames. But I had a hard time shooting those 40 frames. Why? Well, you know, you kind of have to, you just naturally ask yourself when you're shooting film, like, how many shots do I actually need? <laughs> and that's important, you know, how many photos do you need to tell a story? You're gonna need a beginning, a middle, an end. You need a wide shot, a medium shot, close-ups. You want an environmental photo and then some details. That's eight photos, you know? And then some photos, you take a few shots just to make sure that you nailed exposure or the right moment, right? A reaction, perfect composition. So even if I took three photos, you know, if I took three shots of each photo right there, that's only 24 photos. So after those 24 photos, I just started experimenting with composition and looking for moments to anticipate some action. And after 40 photos, I gotta tell you, I was toast. I really couldn't think of anything else to, to photograph that would, you know, capture the, the, the feeling and, the, and the, the environment that was Motorcycles on Meridian. So I got home, I developed the film, and I have to say, I'm pretty proud of those photos. And you can see those photos in the show notes of this episode as well. I mean, this show notes for this episode are just packed full of stuff, so check it out. Again, beginnerphotographypodcast.com, episode 160, where is it at? 169. There you go, episode 169. Okay, so feel free to check those out. I'd love it if you did. Uh, and just, you know, see what they are. Now, are they the best photos that I've ever taken? No, they're not. You might look at them and think, wow, Raymond, these are garbage, you know? But I get it. Photography is subjective. That's, that's totally fine. You know, what I see and I like in these photos might be something that you don't like about these photos. But did it teach me anything about photography? Well, if you think about an event or a shoot, you know, analytically, beforehand. Map out the who, what, when, where, and why, you know. What shots do you need? What lens are you gonna use for those shots? What will you say to your subject? Do you need any additional lighting? If so, where is it gonna be placed for specific photos? You know, then you achieve great things with the limited resources and you don't have to go into debt by shooting film. If you plan ahead, you'll be fine. And make no mistake, this is how you should be shooting digital as well, with intention. It's not just a film thing. It's just that because we're so limited with film, we're hyper aware of the photos that we need to get and we just naturally start shooting with intention. Now this is how you should be shooting with digital, but you know, sometimes we don't. We get, you know, we, we, we take it easy. We, we just go in there, we snap off a bunch of shots and we hope for the best. Okay, so that is covered, right? Now, let's get to the thing that I'm sure everybody is, you know, looking forward to, which is the cost. The cost of shooting film. Now, as I said earlier, it is not quite $1 for every photo that I take, but let's break it down as if you were starting from scratch today, as I did, and if you already had all the, uh, the equipment. So... I shot 40 frames at Motorcycles on Meridian, but that's because I had to finish up my previous roll uh, before I loaded in a fresh roll. So, 
Let's break down the cost of simply 36 photos. That's a standard roll. Now a standard roll, it's probably $8, okay? Now let's assume that you already have the camera, and if you don't, you can get one online for under $100. And remember, film is full frame. So you can shoot full frame for under $100 when you're shooting with film. That is exciting. Okay, so we have the uh, camera, we have the film, eight bucks. Now we need to develop it. What you need is a tank, a reel, chemicals, and then bottles to, to hold those, those chemicals. Now the chemicals come in a powder form and they cost me $40 shipped and those chemicals last for about 16 rolls. So everything else, you know, that you have to buy is just once, and uh, that cost me about 60 bucks. That's, again, the tank, the reel, uh, and then the bottles to, to hold the chemicals, 60 bucks. So right now, $40 for the chemicals, $60 for the rest of the equipment. We're at about $100 just to get started. Uh, and with that, you will have everything that you need to develop 500 and 76 photos and then after that it's just an additional $40 in chemicals to develop every 576 photos after that so now let's take into account the film again eight bucks so that's uh, $128 for 16 rolls of film and then $40 in chemicals is $168 so $168 divided by 576 photos is 29 cents per photo. Is that a waste of money? I don't think so. You know, an entry-level DSLR is about $500. You could shoot more than 1,200 photos on film for that price, and that price includes the camera, like includes the $100 camera. So, plus any, I mean, is, is, is anything really a waste of money if you're trying something new? Especially if it's a hobby like this, right? I don't think that it is. Now, if you don't like it, you have gained so much experience. You now know more about the process of film, the development, the, the how it's made, you know, and it gives you a really good understanding and appreciation for how digital photography works. And again, if you don't like it, I will gladly buy your unused film. So if you are a hands-on person, somebody who loves to really know how something works, you know, the ins and the outs, somebody who tries new things, uh, you know, to do fun experiments, somebody who is curious, then I think that shooting film is probably the most beneficial thing that you could do for your photography. And I don't mean that you have to shoot film forever. I mean, getting started and continuing to shoot film alongside digital. I think that it is the most important thing that you could do to learn and grow your photography. And that is why I listed it actually in my free ebook, uh, 46 Creative Photography Ideas, which you can actually grab by signing up uh, with the link in the show notes, again, packed full of resources, or just the resources page, which you can get to at the top of beginnerphotographypodcast.com. But is shooting film the key to greatness? It's not. Shooting film is not the key to greatness any more than shooting digital would be. So again, this episode is a little bit clickbaity because as you now know, shooting film, I think is neither a waste of money, nor is it the key to greatness. It all comes down to simply shooting with intention.
if you shoot digital with the same amount of attention to detail as you would naturally do when shooting film, then your skills as a photographer would grow just as fast. But there's something about shooting digital where, where it, just, it just is missing. You just don't have that. You know, and maybe you could give yourself the constraint of, of going out and specifically only shooting 36 photos of a, you know, of an event or something like this, and then coming back and being hypercritical of your photos. You know, that would be great. But with digital, you just inherently don't go out with the same amount of caution as you do when shooting film. Now, if you were just shooting photos for snapshots or casual photos of the kids, you know, things that you, you know, just want to remember because that's what it is, then maybe film isn't for you. But if you want your photography to be your artistic expression, your creative outlet, you know, more so than just grip and grin type photos, then I cannot stress the, the, the potential benefits that shooting film has for you. Now, if you're interested in shooting film, you want to dip your toes in it, but you're totally lost on where to start, you know, especially just to look for a film camera or, you know, or, or just what to look for, I would stick with whatever digital camera you have. So if you shoot Canon, the Canon AE-1 is a great choice and will work with all of your Canon digital EF camera lenses. That's great. And if you shoot Nikon, the Nikon FE-2 is also a great choice because, again, your Nikon full-frame lenses will work on the film camera. Now, both cameras right now, as of, uh, uh, you know, mid-October 2019, can be purchased for under $100. I told you, you can shoot full-frame for under $100. Now, when buying used gear online, uh, you know, it can be kind of a wild west, so I always use KEH. Now, they test all of their gear and stand behind it if something goes wrong. You can go to keh.com or use my affiliate link in the show notes of this episode, which really helps the show out at no additional cost to you. You can search for those cameras specifically, or there's a specific button for 35mm film cameras. You can find something that you like and then find a lens that goes with it. You know, try out something new. And if you're interested in shooting film but don't want to develop it yourself, right, there's that side as well, then there are, you know, plenty of places online. You know, you could take it to Costco. You can probably take it to, you know, another big box store. And what they're going to do is they're just going to ship it off, get it developed, and then send it back. But if you don't have either of those places close to you, uh, there's a website called thedarkroom.com, and developing a roll will cost you about $12 per roll. So that is an option as well. So, as I said, shooting film is neither a waste of time, nor money, nor is it the key to greatness. Shooting with intention is the key to greatness. Okay, so that is it for this week. Until next week, I want you to get out, I want you to keep shooting, I want you to stay safe, and I want you to focus on yourself. All right. I love you all. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. And continue the conversation with Raymond and other listeners of the podcast by joining the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group today. Thank you. We'll see you again next week.